Hello everybody, I am so glad you're here. I'm Ray Hughes, and welcome to The Listening Porch. Well, today's been uh, quite a day, a lot of tension, a lot of conflict, and man, what a aggression all day today around the bird feeder. It's been really, really been something to watch. I was, I was watching them today with all that uh, conflict that was going on. I was reminded, you know, I, I, was a, I was an impressionable young teenager when the fires of battle were burning hot in Vietnam. And uh, that was the first time in history that we all were uh, uh, exposed to what was going on the whole as the war, whole war that entire war it played out in in front of us on on nightly news i mean you know places that we didn't even know how to pronounce their names had become a part of our language in those days as we watched the horrors of what was going on there so on some level we were in you know we had our um own involvement or engagement over here and, and, of course, it was lived out over here with uh, riots and, and uh, demonstrations and love-ins and sit-ins and all kinds of ends. But, you know, I come from a generation that, that dressed up like rodeo clowns, and we took a, a lot of pride in burning flags and women's undergarments. And uh, for some reason or another, we had figured out that defiance— was our pathway to honor. And uh, we we became a part of the American experience one more time, uh, but it was an experiment, ongoing experiment, as we tried to figure out where we fit in it all and, and knowing that we lived in a land where all voices were supposed to be heard, but we wanted to make sure ours was heard. And uh, we were convinced that all we needed was bell-bottoms, love beads and Jimi Hendrix and we could change the world how naive well no we actually changed the world we really did it see we we were emboldened and I think it's a lot of the same thing that's going on today we were emboldened by our own united anger equipped with, you know, overinflated vocabularies and underinflated intelligence. There was very little character was involved. We had a mighty low regard for such things as honor and dignity. Um, you know, and I, and I see it kind of repeating itself. This, this generation has access to knowledge, technologies, and Everything that we have access to, and, and it considers itself to be informed simply because they know so much. Uh, but they're not smart enough to behave wisely. You know, I can't ever read the story of David in the Bible without remembering one of the key factors in his being able to change the world was the fact that when all of the conflict was blowing and all of the confusion as to what their future was going to look like, when all of that was going on, 
what you find it, found David doing is very different than what we're doing today. When that conflict was going on, remember when he when he, he this uh, this young radical stepped out of the crowd that day and did the unthinkable. He stepped out and he challenged the very thing that was challenging God that had challenged God's people. Right in the middle of the rants and daily daily rants, by the way, daily rants and and somewhat of a daily riot. Goliath would come down and rant his poison into the atmosphere. And the army of Israel, they were all dressed up for battle, and they would step out and they would give a big shout. And so it was this riots and rants never went anywhere. Nothing changed until this young guy showed up that had a fire burning in him that refused to take either of their sides. And he stepped out and, and uh, demonstrated a real supernatural grace upon his life that no one else was willing to do. And when it was all over, you know the story. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. You know the story. But then when it was over, you notice that uh, in, uh, in 1 Samuel 17, it says, when Saul saw David going out against the Philistines, he, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, he said, whose son is this youth? You know what he was saying in Kentucky terms is, now whose boy is that? Abner said, well, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. Strangely enough, he had already been in the Saul's court. He'd already been recognized as a talented, gifted musician with all kinds of skills and and uh, talent and, and so forth. And uh, so the king said, well, find out whose boy he is. Who, find out who that young man is. So David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine. Abner took him and brought him before Saul. With the head of the Philistine in his hand, he stands there before King Saul. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you? Whose boy are you? What he was really asking is, is are you honorable? Where do you come from? What's in your blood? What's in your heart? He really needed to know. And of course, when all the fame began to ring out uh, around that uh, incredible thing that had taken place, suddenly Saul wanted to kill him because it, it awakened all the rage and the, uh, the insecurities and the, and the maniacal uh, spirit that was, that was motivating him, jealousy, rage, all of that. And of course, David, uh, and he he wasn't going to allow, you know, God, I don't. Uh, God wasn't going to let his gifts of music and dispelling the darkness out of Saul's life and all that. Um, why should he use his use what God had put in him just to deal with the former generation's emotional baggage? But you know how he de how he dealt with it. Now you got to remember there'd been no worship in the days of Saul. There'd been all the corruption. There'd been the the, the ego and the idolatry and the all, all the stuff that was there. It was a horrible generation for God's people, really. All the wrong choices, with all the wrong motives, and all the poison was in the culture. But this young David, he didn't give let that become his attention. 
uh, or he didn't give his, uh, I mean, he didn't allow that to become his downfall, I guess you'd say. What he did is he changed things, and he actually changed them. He actually spent his energy taking out the real enemy. And he, real, and he knew that Saul was not his enemy. And uh, he, he carried honor through that whole process. And of course, when that awakened all that jealousy and all that in, uh, in Saul, you know what it says about when, he was, when, when, when this maniac was trying to kill David, what he did, it says, and David behaved wisely. I think that's a, that, that is a key that we cannot continue to overlook. Wise behavior is one who finds a way to honor and be who you truly are, not be moved by the crazy conflict and tension that's in your world around you. You just step up and become the truest you, and you walk in the opposite spirit of what the culture mandates. He wasn't emboldened by some kind of anger to get even or to dethrone Saul. And though there had been no worship in the days of Saul, there had been no, you know, all, all the negativity that was there, though, but that was not his intention or not his intent to deal with that other than walk in the opposite spirit of it. And I think that's why he was able to not just kill a giant, but he went on to build an empire and to build a people and to build a generation of worshipers. Now, of course, David failed as well. Saul's not the only one that failed. But when, uh, you know, both of them were flawed men, but when uh, Saul sinned, it hardened his heart. When David sinned, it broke his heart. But nonetheless, what you find is you find here in the beginning of it all, Saul was asking the question, Whose boy are you? Who are you? What he was really asking is, like I said, is he honorable? And then Saul went on to do the dishonorable thing in trying to assassinate what was challenging his throne, though David had no intentions of challenging the throne. I think our uh, our country's in need of some some folks that walk with integrity and character, understand honor, and behave wisely. You know, honor is a, is a powerful thing. It's like a song sung from generation to generation. And with every generation, it becomes more powerful. It doesn't become just a tradition. It becomes a part of the very fabric of who we are when we begin to accept the song of the generations. And uh, do things need to change? Absolutely. But see, honor also feels like placing your fingers on the strings that your father played while he smiles to your song. Honor is finding yourself being amazed by the things that amazed your father. Honor also it's like praying for your grandchildren as you go for a walk with your grandfather or your great-grandfather's cane, which is what I do every day. It feels like honor to carry that cane to me. And uh, see, honor is the, the opposite of critical judgment. And critical judgment is not a constructive critique or 
you know, going to bring about change. You're going to just uh, sow into more challenges. You know, critical judgment in the negative context, critical judgment is dishonor. And I want to say being, you know, being honored is not nearly as important as being honorable. Because honor really is generation to generation. That's why I think that's why the Bible says it. Give honor where honor is due. Honor thy father and your mothers, the ones that came before you, and all will be well with you. I bet a lot of conflict and tension could be canceled out of our culture if we would learn the beauty and the power of this thing called honor. You know, today, uh, I said, there's a lot of conflict and tension and aggression being shown um, around the bird feeder. Well, I'm not kidding. We got we have a couple of uh, beautiful morning doves that live here in our backyard. They're here all the time. They're here every day. They've been here, uh, I know, for t- over two years, two and a half years. Not a day we haven't seen and heard them. And they come around the bird feeder and then enjoy the provision and and then uh but today for some reason man there was a lot of aggression being shown from the mockingbirds and the mockingbirds uh, i don't know what made them so angry all of a sudden you know um i do know that uh, and then suddenly you know when they uh, these fights would break out as they're chasing all the birds away from the feeder and then um uh, here comes a blue jay, and it turns into another big war. And, man, it's just like they've all been mad at one another. I, I, you know, uh, the provision is there for all of them. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, an, an, e- uh, an eagle, which we have not had around the bird feeder today, <laughs> but an eagle loves the lure of the heights, and he's most alive soaring alone in the heavens. But a mockingbird spends his time sitting on a limb, imitating the last thing that grabbed his attention. And our mockingbirds have really been an important part of our our um, culture, I guess, the community that we've built around our bird feeders. But man, today it just what they just weren't very friendly. And uh, what we fail to understand sometimes, though, is mockingbirds can be incredibly aggressive and the reason they become aggressive all of a sudden is because they're protecting territory or they're protecting their young and so those that typically just sing whatever song that comes along and mimics mimics and emulates the what's going on today their day has been very different and i wonder if the aggression is born out of a need to protect the land or the territory? Or are they just mocking the the last argument or the last, I'll say it like this, there's a lot of mockingbirds loosed in our culture today showing a lot of aggression. Are they just mimicking, and emulating the last thing that they heard in a university classroom? Are they mimicking what they heard on a news report? Or are they getting loud and aggressive because there's a need to protect 
the young and those that are coming. But, the, you know, the, uh, the morning doves, they have their own beautiful story. But they don't need to be a victim to those who suddenly find justification for any reason to behave dishonorably and behave unwisely. Well, gotta go. See ya. Thanks for coming to the Listening Porch. Now you may have to leave, but you don't have to stay gone. You can become a patron of the show at patreon.com forward slash Ray Hughes. There you'll find video versions of this podcast. I also have numerous online courses at selaministries.com. And don't forget to take a look at the beautiful handmade ink pens at redriverturning.com. See you next time on the Listening Porch.